But it's a, a privilege to engage God's word with you again this week. And, and what a wonderful piece of scripture from Psalm 103 to remind us, to remind us that God never leaves us nor forsakes us, even in the, the midst of the joys and challenges of life. I've entitled today's message, Let's Not Forget. So I don't want this to come across as like a downer. This isn't a scolding. This is an exhortation. That let's not forget who we are. And that Jesus loves us. This I know for the... All right, you almost got it there. Yes, you did. For the Bible tells me so. Yes. And Psalm 103, by the way, is a wonderful reminder of, of God's love for us. I mean, as you look, as we look at this passage together today in Mark chapter 8, um, we could beat up on the disciples. We could beat up on the Pharisees once again. We could even beat ourselves up. But instead, I want to invite us to lean and live into what Mark wants us to know and believe about Jesus. This is what I think he really wants us to know, not just in this passage today, but as we continue to go, not verse by verse, almost, but as we turn the pages in the Gospel of Mark, I believe Mark wants us to know and believe about Jesus that first and foremost, he's the Son of God. He is the son of the living God. And also that Jesus has compassion in the midst of the brokenness of this world and our individual lives and circumstances, some of which we share with one another and others are those unspoken requests, right? We all have unspoken requests in the depths of our soul. And here's Jesus in Mark's gospel, connecting with Jew and Gentile for those that maybe make it to the top of the party list, and the outsiders, those who may be forgotten or left behind. You know, it's very interesting. I was reading an article, having gotten in the last year or so back into flying once again, navigating airports. Um, I thought back to the, the time shortly as we entered into to, uh, March of 2020, which can you believe is almost three years ago now, where we, we felt isolated. We felt isolated. We didn't see anybody um, a lot. Maybe our family, and maybe that got too much at times, right? <laughs> but we were, we were yearning and striving for connection or just something that appeared normal. But now, when we go to the airports, I've noticed, or in crowded spaces, it's almost like we don't want to make eye contact with anybody. We want to be in our own little bubble. Whether it's that person without a home on the street corner, or those rude people in your favorite coffee house, we avoid eye contact. We go to the other side of the street, don't we? And while behaviors have a myriad of reasons for why we do things, we tend to be back into wanting to avoid to connect in our world once again in human ways. And if we do, if we miss those opportunities, even when it gets yucky and hard, 
We miss those opportunities of connection and getting into the spaces of others' lives where the light of Jesus might shine through. In Mark's gospel and throughout the other gospels, Jesus first sees someone. He makes that eye contact before he connects. He sees the person and and not the problem. We've seen numerous examples of this, whether it be the healings. He sees faith in others. He sees their concerns. He sees their struggles before he acts. It is striking that Jesus, who for us knows all and has all power, first takes the very human act of seeing people's pain or seeing the truth of a situation, and then from that place, which at times is messy, from that place, Jesus acts, Jesus responds, Jesus prays. It is as if the first act of changing the world is to see it as it is. And that's tough, amen? To be honest that this is a messy situation in my family, in the neighborhood, at my workplace, at school. To feel the hurt, pain, joy, and hope that the world is offering every day through the lives of others and then respond, boy, That takes effort. That takes determination. To take notice of others is to be engaged in the world and in doing so feel a little more connected to it. It wasn't long ago where we just were yearning for that connection. And now, if I'm being honest along with you, we might put our head down a little bit more and take the easy road. And so I invite you today to to open up the Gospel of Mark as I think we'll see once again that Jesus doesn't take the easy road and yet he has something to teach the disciples who are right there with him. Mark chapter 8 beginning with verse 1. We hear these words. During those days another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have what? Compassion. I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, which is similar to another situation, if you remember in Mark chapter 6. His disciples answered a very similar way. But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Any idea what Jesus is going to do, friends? (laughs) How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. 
They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmunatha. Almost immediately in verse 11, guess who enters the scene? The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They ask him for a sign from heaven. Now, I mentioned last week that Mark is often referred to as the book of signs or miracles. And what I believe the disciples are doing here is asking for, I mean, or excuse me, the Pharisees, they had already heard and some of them witnessed Jesus' miracles of setting people free physically, spiritually, and emotionally. They were asking something very selfish for themselves. They wanted the, the heavens to open. They, they wanted a sign from the heavens. They wanted him to demonstrate for their benefit very self-centered. That's the, that's the scene I want you to, to see. Whoops. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them and got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. Do you get this idea that Jesus has gone all over the Sea of Galilee? We don't know exactly the route, but we, if we were to map it out, um, the disciples were busy with Jesus, and that boat was right there. And off they went. Verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, verse 16, friends, it's like that time when, when Thomas says in John, you know, Lord, we don't know the where, way you are going. Where are you the way? We call him Doubting Thomas, but we heard at the conference this week, we might just call him Honest Thomas, right? And here the disciples are going to be honest disciples, Jesus had just talked to them, warning them about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And I guess the disciples at least were thinking, well, we didn't bring much bread. And verse 16 says, they discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. I love it. Is that what Jesus is teaching them, that they forgot the bread? <laughs> Honest disciples. Verse 17, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still 
not understand? Say that with me. Do you still not understand? Now, we could say that Jesus is getting a little frustrated with the disciples at this point, and most likely, I think Jesus being fully God and fully human was, but at the depth of that question, I think, is a question let's not forget as well. It can be an exhortation to us here today who follow Jesus, who, who as you're able, come to church here in person or connect online. And yet sometimes we just don't remember how much we are loved. How much that Jesus promises to never leave us nor forsake us. How many times that Jesus provides just what we need. When Mark urges his readers to follow Jesus, he envisions not a boring, conventional church gathering, but things happening that would make people astonished. If we're still too indifferent to hear what he's saying, the problem is perhaps with us rather than with the message that Mark has for us. Jesus wants to make us friends uncomfortable. In the scene today where we opened in Mark chapter 8, two more loaves, a thousand less people than before, five fewer baskets remaining. It's almost like a dream. We've heard this story before, right? With the feeding of 5,000 men plus children. The disciples were going through that, well, we just celebrated Groundhog Day, didn't we? At least growing up in Pennsylvania, that was something that was uh, Punxsutawney Phil. It was like they were going through Groundhog Day. Like, didn't this just happen? And we might expect that, oh yeah, Jesus is going to meet their needs. But they went through the same questions. Here in the middle of nowhere, with very little provisions, Jesus, what are you going to do now? So what can we learn today? Why would Mark record another miracle feeding? Why would the disciples need another chance or another engagement with the miraculous provision of their, their, follow, their Lord? Why would they need that? I think that's a good question. It would be easy to reflect on the ways in which throughout Christian experience, Jesus continues to have compassion on those who follow him. To be aware of and sensitive to their needs and to meet those needs in unexpected ways. I think really, friends, that's one of the things I want us to take out of this today. Is to not beat up on yourself or the disciples but to be reminded of Jesus' compassion for you in all circumstances. That Jesus hasn't ever gone anywhere. Times are tough. We have questions. But let's not discount Jesus' promise of presence and provision. And yet, friends, at the same time, I want us to notice this. It is noticeable that in both stories, those miracle feedings of the 5,000 and the 4,000, Jesus not only feeds the crowds, he involves his disciples in those feedings. Did you notice that? Did you catch that? His disciples, as maybe as it 
was hard and frustrating for Jesus to wish they would have got it sooner, he still involved them in the bringing and the distribution of the meals. And so, friends, Jesus wants to involve you out of his love and compassion. And of course, at times, our resources will be totally inadequate. It'll seem like, God, what are you calling me? What are you calling us to do? And friends, quite frankly, that is Jesus' problem, not ours. And these stories indicate well enough that he will deal with it. He will cope with it. He is more than qualified. Amen? <laughs> Our task is not to bemoan or to try to get out of it with how few of loaves and fishes we have for the crowd or the needs before us, but to offer them to Jesus, to do whatever he wants with them, and then be ready to distribute them to our own surprise as he guides and directs. Friends, Jesus loves us. He loves the world. And yet, as we go out to do mission and ministry, to invite everyone to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family, just as the scripture testified that Mark so wants us to get that Jesus is the Son of God by doing this miraculous feeding, there's going to be opposition. There is going to be opposition because almost immediately in verse 11 we saw who showed up? The Pharisees. I don't even know if they had all their feet off the boat. And there were the Pharisees demanding a sign from heaven. They were seeking to test him and to gain personal benefit Jesus takes another deep sigh. If you remember last week before Jesus healed the man that was struggling with speaking and hearing, Jesus sighed before he prayed. This is a quite different sigh, I could quite imagine, a sigh of exasperation, a sigh grieving with the Pharisees and their unbelief that they want fireworks from the skies, not seeing lives transform physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Jesus, friends, refuses to play their game. He gave the crowd a sign out of compassion for their need, but he refuses to give the Pharisees a sign because their request doesn't come from a place of true need. Does that make sense? Their request doesn't come from a place of true need. They're looking to catch them, to get them. Make fireworks, Jesus, and then maybe we'll think about seeing if you are really from God. And so off they go in the boat once again. And Mark kind of brings this time in the gospel of Mark to a climax. He he, while he's on the boat with the disciples, warns them of the Pharisees and the, the yeast and leaven of Herod. Of course, as we saw in the passage, the disciples don't understand. They think he's commenting on, again, their physical lack of bread. 
I love it. Just, I mean, one of the things that, I mean, this is God's word to us that Mark's capturing this. It's because it's just too honest. I mean, who would write a story like this? Who would make the characters so, so just honest? The disciples were just struggling to connect the dots. But Jesus is trying to say, Do you, don't you see the, the unbelief? The personal satisfaction that the Pharisees and even Herod is, is thinking? In the end, the responses of both Herod and the Pharisees were responses of unbelief. Both were rejecting the true identity of Jesus as the Son of God. And that's so important to Mark, that we see Jesus as who? The Son of God. And, and, and Jesus is warning his disciples, don't respond like this. And so this is where I think we could feel a little smug right now. We could easily look at the disciples and say, how could they keep forgetting the things that Jesus has done, especially with this bread miracle a second time? But the question comes right back at each of us today, friends. Anybody good at throwing a boomerang, right? <laughs> I could never do it, even though it's designed to never do it. But this question kind of comes full circle, like right back at us. We too have seen Jesus do these things as well. Mark, the scriptures, the Bible, not only in Mark, teaches us, bears witness that lame people do leap, mute people do speak, deaf people do hear. Those with leprosy are cleansed, women who are sick and unclean are astral ostracized by society, are welcomed as daughters. Dead little girls are raised up. Demons are cast out. The winds and the waves, they cease. And today, as a few weeks ago, thousands of people are fed with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus even walks on water to top it all off. <laughs> now, in 2023 or a few years before, you, as you look back, you could make a list of all the things that you have seen the Lord do in your own life too, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, back to Psalm 103. It, 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 it challenges us to take pause and to thank God for his goodness. Not that every day is good, but who is good? God is good. And you could make that list too, friends. But what happens when the next hard thing comes at me and you? If you are anything like me, it's easy to panic and say, what are we going to do? How could this ever work out? How could I possibly do anything about this? Our initial impulse is to doubt and not to trust, panic and not to praise. Anybody with me? And to throw our hands up instead of getting down on our knees. And so I believe that Jesus is asking us, do you not still understand? And so let us not forget, friends, that first and foremost, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees the days you're rejoicing. Jesus sees the days 
you're struggling and hurting. He sees you. And he's never leaving nor forsaking you. It was great to see Pastor Curtis for a few minutes at the National Gathering in Newport Beach. He said it was a little strange, you know, coming back already. Although, pray for him, tomorrow is his first official day in the office in Houston. So I'm sure there is nothing on that to-do list. But to that point, I start to now, I think, get some magazines or articles that used to go in Pastor Curtis's box. And, and I'm grateful I did, because one of the magazines from Fuller Seminary um, that showed up in my box this past month called Renewing the Church um, had an article that I read about Dave Givens. He's a lead pastor of New Song Church in Santa Ana. I had never heard of that church. I've never met Dave. But he had a very fascinating article. But what fascinated me the most is what I want to close with today. It was a Q&A recorded in this article. And the, and the uh, interviewer said to him, which is just a, you know, it's the silver bullet question. If we could all get it right, um, we'd be, be heroes of the faith. But here's the question. If you could change one thing about the church right now, where every single church in the U.S. would make this change, what would it be? <laughs> There's the million-dollar question, right? <laughs> You're looking for that silver bullet, but this is what Pastor Dave said. This is what he would say for all the churches in the U.S. If we would make a change, this is what it would be. He said, I would say for the churches to learn to love the outsider. To learn to love the outsider. I think that's what Mark teaches us. He's not excluding God's people, but he certainly took heat as Mark recorded Jesus going to those who are on the outside or the other side. The Pharisees were wrestling with it, and yet what's recorded in the gospel and in Mark's gospel as well is Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. His life was a life of responding to the father's invitation. And so practically, friends, today, I think we need to ask ourselves, who's the outsider in our neighborhoods? Who is the one that nobody loves, the outcast? Pastor Dave says, that's where you start. Not with this empire approach, but with the approach to love unconditionally. It's a love imbued with gentleness and humility. Being bold about being bold is about being bold in the love of Jesus. Serving others, friends, with no agenda at all. Is that messy and uncomfortable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go with honest intent not to somehow woo them into the church doors. Friends, today, today people want to know that they belong before they believe. A lot of times. That's what we're dealing with. I mean, I remember growing up. If you believe the right thing, then you're, yeah, come join the church, right? You believe this and this, then you come and join. But today people are craving for relationship especially for those who are out on the periphery, the outcast, the outsider. 
People want to belong before they believe. And Pastor Day says, if you can make that your main ambition, then you probably will really get to know God and experience a life that is filled with joy and a wonderful flourishing no matter how hard life is around you. And so, friends, I think Mark, as he writes the stories of Jesus, were to see, let us not forget how much we are loved. You know, there's that wonderful little course that I was reminded of even this past week. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. You want to sing that together? I'm going to turn off my mic, okay? (laughs) Let's do it. God is He cares for me. He cares for me. He cares for me. He cares for me. He's so good to me. So, Lord God, thank you for your love and for your kindness, for your compassion. And so I pray now that as we set apart this time to remember how much we are loved by you, your body that was given, your blood that was shed, may it be a reminder to us that we are seen, that we are heard, that we are loved, that we are forgiven. Lord God, you are so good to us. And we give you all the praise and the glory this day and every day that you give us. And God's people say,